This is the Hunt for Wellness podcast with Will Klein, 53, Nine Lives. It's another great day for wellness, and this is Bones bringing the packs of F3 Nation the latest strategies and tips to accelerate their king and optimize their queen. Health is a journey and requires you to take a proactive approach on a daily basis. Knowing exactly what to do and how to do it will help you achieve it faster. Each week, we are going to be interviewing the leading health and wellness experts, sharing inspiring stories from the packs, and diving into the latest research to help you optimize your health. So get ready as we embark on your hunt for wellness. Well, welcome back to another edition of the Hunt for Wellness podcast. This is Dr. Tunis Hunt, otherwise known as Bones in the Gloom. And Pax, I am super excited about our show today, our special guest, and the story he's going to share with us today. Uh, as we know, uh, we are uh, blessed with all types of packs and, and personal health histories out there across our regions. And we have some that have never had issues or, or any serious issues. And then we have some that have had life-threatening issues and really have shown resiliency and determination and ultimately acceleration. And F3 has played a role in many of those stories, including today's story. And so without further ado, I'm excited about our guest, excited about what we're going to be talking about. And my special guest today is Nine Lives or Will Klein out of the St. Charles region. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Well, let's start a, a little bit up front here, uh, Nine Lives, about how you learned about F3, uh, you know, what kind of got you out in the gloom, um, what, what that first gloom experience was like, and then why the name Nine Lives? Okay. Well, it's kind of funny because I actually saw F3 before I knew what it was because the park that I walked a lot in, um, they would work out in that park. It was actually the first park in our entire, or first AO in our entire region in Cottleville, and I would walk by them and wonder what these crazy guys were doing with the cinder blocks. And uh, never really took much to it. And I, my office was nearby as well. And I'd walk by, but it actually took my uh, chiropractor, a guy we call Cyclone. And the funny thing about Cyclone is he has one of the most booming voices you've ever heard. So I actually thought that's why they named him Cyclone was because of how loud he is when he talks. But it was actually because he's from Iowa and the opposing Iowa team is the Cyclone. So that's where the name came from. But uh, it's always my favorite thing in F3 is uh, it's Usually when we're doing second F stuff or we're rucking is finding out how people got their names. But um, so he was the one he goes and he knew um, that I was wanting to go to this big athletic event um, that I was training for something. He goes, I really think F3 would, I think you'd really enjoy this. And so I, I came out. Uh, I remember the, the first workout was a leg day type of thing. And I remember having a hard time walking the next day. Uh, a guy named uh, Cowbell put on a workout that was leg intensive. And at the end, uh, obviously, you all know about the naming process, and I really didn't know what to expect. Um, I got put in the middle and had to answer a bunch of questions, tell them stories. They said, throw out some embarrassing stories or whatever I could think of. So I talked about, you know, father of five, uh, I have a real estate business, talked about uh, being really active in my community, uh, loved where I lived, that type of stuff. And there were a couple people there that knew about my medical history. And I, part of me was trying to avoid it because 
it seems like you get known for something. And you, I was trying to, you know, uh, I've always tried to do things beyond my medical stuff. But I did tell them, I said, okay, so 2014, I was diagnosed with end-stage renal disease, um, did dialysis for three years, received a transplant at the end of 2018, a kidney transplant. I've had two cancers, almost three actually, and a stroke. And one of the guys goes, my God, this guy's like a cat. He's had nine lives. And then I heard somebody on the other side saying kitten. And in my mind, I'm going, please not kitten, not kitten. And uh, another guy's like, I don't know, I really like nine lives. And because uh, they gave kind of the final naming rights to the guy who brought me, I ended up as nine lives, which I know in the, in the scheme of things is not a pretty decent name. Uh, it's an okay name for some of the names I've given people now. So, <laughs> yeah, no. And, and, and I assume that's probably the, the genesis of the name, uh, just mm -hmm. knowing a little bit about your medical history, uh, yeah. up front here. So nine lives, certainly better than kitten. And to your yeah. point, there's a lot of rough ones out there. So, uh, and I was the same way, you know, the, the guys were struggling with mine and then they came up with bones, which ironically now, like a, a kid, I'm sure most of the chiropractors in F3 are probably some kind of bones uh, mm -hmm. association or orthopedist or, or whatever. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I, liked, uh, I like nine lives. You're probably unique. I doubt there's many nine lives out there in the F3 yeah. uh, universe. So Good, good for you, man. So well, and I think I mentioned to you too, um, your name. Um, I went up to Milwaukee and EH oh, my own right. little brother and my nephew and my little brother is bones, but his is for a little different reason. His is also health related because he got so sick when he was in high school from a burst appendix that uh, when he was 16, he barely weighed 120 pounds after that. So he, you could see every bone in his body. That's wow. how he ended up with the name. So yeah. yeah, no, I mean, the good, good origin, man. And, yeah. and so, yeah, we have that kindred spirit now. Uh, <laughs> your, your blood brother is a, right. uh, a Pax brother of mine now in name and in the region. So awesome, man. Uh, I have a question, though. Uh, when you are just walking around uh, the park and seeing these guys doing cinder blocks and stuff, I mean, what was kind of going through your mind uh, as far as what they were doing? Did you think it was a, a group that was invite, you know, like, did they ever kind of try to EH you out in the gloom? Or was it just something you kind of saw from a distance and, and thought, Oh, I don't know about what those guys are doing? Well, I did kind of see them from a distance. So I don't think they had that opportunity. Because, uh, you know, I know now that we're in it, you know, we'll see people walk by and <laughs> free men's workout group, you know, uh, <laughs> it's a pretty common thing to say. Um, and a lot of times, if I was close by, I was on my way to work going by on my golf cart. So I was, you know, I got you. To the office. So they really didn't have the opportunity as much. So I got you. Were you thinking um, that would be something that you wanted to do at some point? Or you just kind of thought in your mind, whatever those guys are doing, that's not for me? Um, you know, I didn't, because uh, um, kind of jumping back a little bit, when I was sick, um, one of the stories, the doctors, I was always trying to be very active. Now, my level activity wasn't that level. It was a lot of walking. It's kind of how I rehabbed myself a lot. Um, so I, I'm open to exercise. I just didn't know what they were about. You know, I you know, didn't know what the group was because we'd have a group of, we had two different groups of ladies in our park. They'd work out on the basketball courts. Now I find out one of them is called FIA and they're associated with us. So a lot of the wives and M's of the, uh, of the guys work out in a, in a ladies version of our group. So, yeah. Uh, so there's some FIA groups here locally, obviously in the Charlotte region, that's kind of where the genesis of it was. So, mm -hmm. yeah, 
they uh, is a good opportunity for the M's to get involved and, and yeah. do some fitness stuff as well. So very good. Yeah, I was just curious, um, you know, because I was introduced to F3 and I knew what I never saw it in, it, you know, out and uh, out and about prior to being formally part of it. So I was just curious, you know, what the perspective is of a guy that might be just observing it from the outside as right. far as, hey, is that something for me or not? Or how do I get involved in that kind of stuff? One of well, my uh, favorite, yeah, go ahead. Doing a real quick, funny little story. I went out to work out with the guys at a, a one location we call the Citadel. And there's a guy that used to ruck by them. Actually, already had his own ruck and be working out, running with it. And they actually named him before he was in F3. They were calling him Darius Rucker. And he, they, we had done a, uh, like a second F, third F type of event where we uh, did a nine mile rock for St. Baldrick's. And at the end of it, we had a beat down and we waved him over and it was, must've been enough. And he joined us and we call him Pearl now. And uh, Pearl is a very uh, healthy gentleman that puts on some pretty good workouts now. So uh, he definitely, he's, a, he's definitely a runner. So we get those, uh, definitely our cardio when we, when uh, Pearl leads a workout. So, yeah, that's awesome. And, and, you know, Pax listening, this is just another testimony of why it's important to engage guys that you see out there already exercising. <laughs> Sorry, that's, the dog. that's all right. Uh, dogs, dogs are welcome. But uh, I was just mentioning that uh, here in our region, we've seen quite a few guys um, BEH just like that. We had a guy coming out of a YMCA one time and we were working out in the parking lot and EH'd them that way. We've had guys that, to your point, are big runners. They're running down the street, and all of a sudden, you know, we pull them over. So, you know, that, that's, that's what we call low-hanging fruit. If you see a guy already out there exercising about the same time you're exercising, uh, it's pretty much a no-brainer to at least uh, invite them over to see if it's something that they might be interested in. Yeah, they did it well, at, the King Builder, yeah. at the King Builder yeah. in Illinois. A gentleman, I think we call him Pimp, Pimp My Ride, is what he got named by uh, um, Dark Helmet. So, Pimp My Ride, I like yeah. it. And, and Helmet, Helmet's notorious for some some creative names, and he's in, you know, he's a local PAX in my region. So I've mm -hmm. seen quite a few of his naming uh, schemes, and uh, there there's some wild ones out there. So very good. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's kind of switch gears here a little bit, Nine Lives, because I want to have an opportunity to kind of talk through some of your health history because uh, you know as i mentioned at the top of the show we all have health journeys and challenges but some of us more than others and it sounds like as you were introducing yourself and kind of giving us that cot story you dropped a handful of you know significant medical events uh, just one of them alone would have been a big um you know overcome story but, but when you multiply them over and over again, uh, it really becomes significant. So walk us back a little bit in time here as far as, you know, when you first got, you know, a diagnosis of, 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 of a health concern and what the journey has been to regain your health. Sure. Um, well, it was, like I said, it was back in 2014 towards the end of uh, the year and, um, What's funny is I, this is a weird thing. This one kind of snuck up on me. So uh, I will say that my dad died very young at 48 of a heart attack. So I was pretty religious about going to a doctor every six months, getting tested because of that. And I already had a cardiologist and um, it was um, in 
think it was actually I think I did the blood draw and uh, you know normal tests at the end of September and about a week or so later um, the doctor's trying to call us frantically and I'm actually at a chamber of commerce meeting um, notice my phone blowing up and then eventually my wife starts calling me and so I excused myself I said what's up I said your doctor's trying to reach you according to this recent test you're in you're in acute kidney failure and I'm like what like I'm, I'm okay there's nothing really wrong I don't feel anything wrong and uh, so I after the meeting I called the doctor and I said yeah we really want you to go retest because six months ago your numbers weren't like this and you the, the word was creatinine your creatinine is super high um, over 11 which is a crazy number most of us function between like under one and 1 1.2 um, but I was at 11.1 at the time and so I went and it's kind of funny I'm in real estate so I actually went and retested but I also went and showed homes to some folks on the lake <laughs> out here and um, after that you know I didn't know what time the test was going to get back I went and took my youngest son to volleyball practice I played volleyball with the other parents against the boys to help them practice got home 10 10 30 my wife said did you see the message on your phone or did you um, look at your phone I said oh no I left that in the car so you can kind of tell I'm not taking this very serious yet and um, my uh, so my wife's like yeah you're still in renal failure and they want you to come to the hospital now I'm like oh you know it's late at night all the good doctors aren't going to be there now anyway so let's wait till the morning they're not going to show up so and uh, she's like yeah, your, uh, your doctor thought your stubborn butt might say something like that. And she said, if you don't go, you could be dead by the morning. And I'm like, so I had less than 5% function, which is crazy wow. that you can still run around. And, and there weren't a lot of signs. Um, you know, one of the signs when you're in kidney failure is you have foamy urine. I had that, but didn't think anything of it. Um, you know, there was, there was probably some discomforts and pains. Um, I, I was having leg cramps and things like that, but the and, and then I always laugh because everybody, when you have leg cramps, they think you're low on potassium. So they tell you to eat a banana. It was actually just the opposite. I was extremely high in potassium and you can actually lock your heart up because that's a muscle if you have too much potassium. So fortunately, I didn't follow those things. It didn't load up <laughs> on bananas and orange juice, but uh, we did go to the hospital. I think we got there closer to midnight, ran a bunch of tests. We were actually there for 10 days. Um, the first couple of days, they could not figure out why I was in kidney failure. Um, they were really struggling. And I, I, of course, said, okay, where's Dr. House? Um, that guy can figure out anything. And it's funny, as we went back and watched episodes of Dr. House, it's funny how many have something to do with kidney failure. Um, yeah. Kidneys are shutting down. I'm like, my gosh, it's like a theme for the show. So, so let me ask um, you this. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we have two kidneys. Were mm -hmm. both of them shutting down? One of them? What was Actually, going on? Actually, both. So I had, okay. it's most people get kidney failure from high blood pressure or uh, diabetes. I did not have either of those things. And so um, I actually had, it was basically a defect in my plumbing. I had blockages in the system, um, my urethra, ureters that was pushing pressure back on the kidneys and my bladder. And again, this took a couple of days to figure out, but my bladder was distended because um, when they, they scanned my bladder and I asked the doctor, how was that? And he goes, impressive. And I'm like, what do you mean impressive? And he's like, good, impressive? Goes, no, just large. You have a very large bladder. And I, my joke was that's the sloshing sound when I run then. Um, so the, the, the key to discovering what it was, my nurse at the time, he had scanned my bladder. And he said, do you feel like you have to go to the bathroom? I said, no, actually, I just went a little bit ago. And he goes, I said, why? And he goes, we have 700 milliliters of fluid. And my answer was, the question is, is that a lot? 
He goes, most people feel the urge to go to the bathroom at 300 milliliters. I had no urge to go to the bathroom. Wow. When they, when they finally punctured through, and I do use the term punctured, it was a very painful moment. Um, I dropped two liters of fluid into a bag, <sighs> two liters. Um, so it was kind of crazy. And that's when they discovered what it was. Typically, once they clear the blockage, your kidneys came back. Mine never did. So I, I went to the hospital not thinking I had anything wrong. And I skipped all the other fun stages and went straight to end stage renal disease. Wow. So, yeah. So you get this diagnosis, you're in the hospital. They obviously are, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. It sounds like they're kind of coming to this conclusion. Obviously this pressure is building up in your bladder, which is then, you know, for anatomy, you know, for the listeners, you know, your kidneys, you know, have these tubes that go down into the bladder because it's, 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 it's filtering out, if you will. And so if the bladder becomes full and doesn't alleviate pressure, you know, through the form of urine, that pressure then goes back channels up to the kidneys. And, and that's kind of what was happening with you is your kidneys were just having to work extra hard to continuously put stuff into that bladder because your body right. wasn't excreting it the way it needs to. So here they puncture it, they get the bladder emptied with the hope that the kidneys now don't have the pressure to work with and then can rebound. But that wasn't the case for you. Yours, yours no. continued to to not work very well. So did they at that time um, tell you that you're going to need a transplant? Was it uh, go home and wait for a little bit? What was going on with all that? It was almost a year of that. It was a year of wait and let's figure it out. So my original doctor was, um, he did not like dialysis because what it does is it, you maintain residual. So if something's doing something for you, um, it usually means that, um, you know, the, the, you're going to do less of it yourself. So the, the goal was to keep residual function in the other, in the kidneys versus when you do dialysis, it's doing it for you. So your, your ability to urinate, all those things can go away. Um, so he wanted to keep me off. <clears throat> so I spent a year with um, um, stents from my ureter or from my kidneys to my bladder to make sure they were emptying all the way to the bladder. And it was a year of basically a lot of infections. Um, they'd have to take them out, put them back in. My body didn't like them. Um, so it was kind of a back and forth. And it took till um, December of, uh, I want to say 2016. Um, I did get on the transplant list at the end of 2015. Um, that's the fun time too. You have to run all over a hospital, do a whole bunch of tests just to get on that list. But um, when I was in the hospital with my infection at the end of 2015, I met a new nephrologist. He was the on-call one, Dr. Raja. And it was funny because he's like, well, you look good. You keep food down. You've got good color. I don't know if you have to go on dialysis. And then my wife came in. She's like, oh, wait a minute. Um, I want to tell you a story about this guy. And it had a lot to do with what I would do is I would store up all my energy and do my work. So if it was meeting with a client, um, whatever I was doing, I was storing it all up. I do it. And then I'd come home and I spent the rest of the time on the couch or in my bed. So I was sleeping 17, 18, 19 hours a day on average. Um, just didn't have energy. And if you, you think about it, it's like, you know, you even had to think about taking a shower as a drain on your energy, which most people would never, ever think that way. Um, so <clears throat> I was getting a bunch of, uh, I was also getting iron, um, uh, infusions. I was low on everything. So the kidneys, it's amazing what your kidneys do. They regulate so much of your body. And so a lot of things get thrown off. You're not, 
you have to watch your food a little differently. So sodium, potassium, and phosphorus are three things you have to be very, very careful about. Um, and so they're weird things that you don't always think about when, you, when you're eating, but when you're on kidney failure, you have to. So that doctor was the one that decided it was time to go on dialysis. Got it. So you started dialysis. Um, was it something you were going into the clinic to do on a pretty consistent basis? Did you have something set up at home? How was that set up? So th there's two kinds of dialysis. There's peritoneal and um, uh, hemodialysis. I decided to do peritoneal. They, they sell it very well as being something you can do at home. It's not as needle. I, I'm I always say I prefer blunt force trauma over like pointy needles. I don't like needles at all. I can't even look at them when people put them in my arms, but they, um, <clears throat> so I went with peritoneal dialysis. The, the, the different thing up here is uh, there was a doctor in uh, Columbia, Missouri that invented pre-sternal, meaning the catheter came into my chest, went inside and all the way down into the lower part of my uh, um, peritoneum. And a lot of people have it in their stomach, but what's funny is they learn the chest, it's easier to take care of, it's easier to keep clean. Um, I had a 24 inch tube that came out of me and I would wrap it up and Velcro it to the side under my arm. Um, you had to be very careful, you can't take baths, you couldn't submerge in water. Uh, I had a year and a half of that. Um, it's funny how much you miss a lake or a pool or a bath. Uh, um, <laughs> you don't realize those things until you can't do them anymore. Um, so I had that catheter. I had catheters sticking out of me many, many times for many different reasons. Um, infections were the issue. I kept getting infections. So um, I did that at home. I hooked up to a machine every night for eight and a half hours. It plumps fluid into your peritoneum, sucks the bad stuff out of your blood. Every two hours would drain out. It actually drained into my shower drain. Um, there's a whole another story about a thing called drain pain because when it couldn't find any fluid, it started sucking on the inside of you. And you, I'm gonna tell you, you can't get out of bed any faster than that. Uh, you jump to a salute position, you're trying to find the button to turn off that, <laughs> that thing. But um, that is a it's got sucrose in it, so it's a little like eating a candy bar while you're sleeping. So it's very, very easy to gain weight. I, al I always have been able to gain weight very easily. Um, so I did gain weight. Um, I got well over 300 pounds. I think I was 340 at the highest. Um, wow. So, so you're doing the dialysis. Obviously, that's kind of keeping you alive. It's keeping mm -hmm. your body um, filtering all these things. Were, were there, was there a hope that the kidneys were going to heal on their own or was this just buying time for the transplant? It's literally buying time. So, and every year you go in and you retest to stay on that list. Um, the, the second time I went in, um, they had found some issues with my kidney. The second time I went in, they decided, they said, you have kidney on your left or you have cancer on your left kidney that has to be removed. And what they do is they'll keep you on the list. So you gain time. But if you were to come up for a transplant, you can't get it until you take care of those issues. So, um, 27, uh, January 30th of 2017, they removed the left kidney. Unfortunately, because of the cancer. Yeah. Unfortunately, there is, and what's funny is I've already donated an organ to science and I'm still alive. Um, and so that came out, but they got, we have pseudomonas in our body naturally. Well, they got it in the exit site because it was in that kidney. And so I ended up being in and out of the hospital for a total of three weeks for the month of February. Um, that was probably the lowest point. Um, came close to dying again there. Had multiple blood transfusions, um, constant fevers. Um, 
and you know my poor wife had to repack my wound and stuff when we were at home um so she's like she always says i don't remember this part in the marriage vows but okay um, <laughs> for but better was, or for worse sickness yeah, and poor <laughs> yeah yeah i don't remember wound packing as part of the yeah thing, but so i actually was on the other kind of dialysis so they had to put a catheter because since they cut through the peritoneum i couldn't use that for dialysis so i was going to a clinic then three days a week um i got um there was a point where we were sitting in the hospital and I looked at my legs and I'm like, my calf muscles are gone, like just gone. And she's like, well, if you think that's bad, you should see your arms. And I, <laughs> we, we, we had to talk to a therapist for this whole process. And they asked me once, they said, so how do you and your family deal with, you know, stressful situations? And I'm like, I know I'm going to get in trouble for this. Uh, we make jokes about it. And like my kids would say to my wife, you know, dad's got the, he's got the kidney failure. You can't pick on him. You know, like just, it was always jokes. And she says, actually, that's a really good way to deal with it. Um, so we would always kind of have fun with it. But yeah, I had lost all my muscle and I was, you know, college athlete, all this stuff. And, and that was a point where it hit me as a man um, because I've always been, not that, you know, I have to fight and defend my ground or my family all the time, but the thought that you're prepared to do it because my whole life, I mean, I was a, you know, a Taekwondo instructor in college. I did all that stuff. I could defend people. I could protect people. I didn't feel, I had that confidence at that time. It was a very, very low point. Um, and I made a decision. I said, um, in that hospital, I said, I'm done being sick. Just done. And I kind of set on my fitness journey at that time. I switched dialysis. I actually dropped 50 pounds. I decided to stay at the clinic because there was a couple things I learned. One, I have a nurse three days a week I can talk to about situations. Um, it was out of sight, out of mind for the kids. So when you do dialysis at home, you have these giant boxes of the solution that filled our laundry room, like 30 of these giant boxes and a giant machine next to your bed and all this stuff. And that was gone. So it's out of sight, out of mind for the kids and all the kids were still home then. So the great thing was to them, dad wasn't sick anymore because I had fought myself back to health. I'd, I'd take off. I went to the clinic at, I, I did dialysis from 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. every three nights a week, um, about 27 hours with all the travel time and stuff. But um, 27 hours a week, I did dialysis. Um, I'd sleep for a few hours and I'd go to work at eight, nine in the morning and, and try to function as much of a normal human. Um, one of my favorite stories I like to share, especially when it comes to health, um, I once read an article that said, hey, you know, if I go to two days, I'll keep more residual function in my kidneys. And I told my Harvard educated uh, doctor about this. He goes, well, I love that you do research. I love that you read, but where, if we take you off this, the toxins are going to build up in your blood. Yes, you're doing better than everyone else in here, but let me tell you why. And I want you to do research on this. And he said, the two things that make you different than everybody in here is one, your attitude. You're very positive about things. Number two, exercise you exercise every day. In fact, my nurse would wave at me out the window because if I wasn't at 10,000 steps, I'd walk around the clinic till I got it. And she, she'd get mad at me sometimes. She'd start tapping her watch and say, get in here. Um, but yeah, I, walking was key to me, just moving around and, and just keep moving. And I even named my company Move because that was the message I gave to other sick people. Don't sit in the chair. You've got to move. If you want to. Yeah, help. you're bringing up a, a great point because, you know, we kind of take it for granted, those of us that do exercise and a lot of people that listen to this show are affiliated with F3 and, and, and probably get out in the gloom and exercise. But 
Um, a lot of our population doesn't. And to your point, you know, you being quote unquote, the healthiest in your clinic and all you were really doing, I mean, I say all, but you were active, but mm -hmm. um, just how many other people just did not have that register in their mind as far as that's a part of this recovery process is to exercise and, and mm -hmm. to, to get out there and, and do that. So, you know, that just speaks the, the importance of what we're doing in the gloom and, mm -hmm. and why it's important to reach other guys in our communities that aren't prioritizing exercise, because even if they're not fighting some chronic disease today, right. their quality of life down the road is going to be substantially less, um, you know, fulfilling if they don't have their health, because you brought up a great point, And I preach this all the time, you know, your health is really, in my opinion, your greatest asset. And when you don't have your health, you can't be the husband, the father, the provider, the protector, whatever it is, as well as when you do have your health. And, right. you know, the things that we do today will, will be a catalyst for the way we are able to provide uh, later on. So you got the transplant eventually. Uh, yes. When was that actual uh, date? Uh, September 28th, 9, 2018. So okay, 2018. Four, it's almost four years old. Yeah. The transplant. And then uh -huh. you were diagnosed until the transplant or about three years, if I'm doing my math. How, uh, it was how long total, were you? It was a total of four years. Okay, because four they did, years. They didn't put, I did three years of dialysis. They didn't put me on dialysis for a year. Wow. So original diagnosis. So the three years of dialysis was just this constant, you know, first at home and then at this clinic. I mean, so that's yeah. just a, that's a lot of work, man. And that's a lot, a lot of, of time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm assuming that probably restricted your ability to vacation or travel or anything like that. Yeah, there were trips. So we have the Lake of the Ozarks here. A lot of people know of that, you know, I would take trips, but I could only drive the boat. I couldn't get in the lake, but you know, we wanted, you know, I wanted as normal or, you know, and I don't live a normal life. I've always tried to do too many things. In fact, that whole time um, I went into leadership of our realtor association. So, um, you know, I was elected treasurer during that illness. I was on dialysis. Um, in fact, my transplant happened a month before my installation as president of our association. So I got to go to my, at least because it came a year early because that's a key thing too because I kept myself so healthy, my transplant happened a year early. I actually jumped over a hundred people on the list because of wow. my personal medical score. In fact, by the time I got my transplant, you wouldn't have known I was on dialysis unless you knew me or I told you because wow. I had, I had really fought back um, to be healthy. Well, good for you. And so you get obviously the transplant, which only makes your health even better. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I'm assuming this is still pre F3 correct? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And so what were you doing on your own? You, you mentioned walking and seeing F3 guys, but what other things were you finding yourself doing uh, to regain your health post-transplant? So I didn't realize I was rucking when I was rucking, but I would, I walked everywhere, like to work. I had a backpack with all my stuff for work in it. Um, I lived, um, now I live about two miles from my office, but I was about a mile and a half, but I would take longer routes through the park, the same place that I now ruck with F3. Um, I am, I am kind of the, uh, rucking guy here. I, I definitely put on, we get these little reports and I ruck probably more than anybody, but I love it. Um, and it was just, I, um, our local habitat did this and I was on the committee. We did a, a virtual walk and it was really cool because 
there was like a digital map and it had your face and you could see where you were on this map um, compared to all the other people doing it. And for the month of January, after my transplant, I had walked 300 miles. I had hit 300 wow. miles, won this walking thing with everybody, um, but I had put on 300 miles. And here it snows. Um, so a lot of times I was rucking through the snow and it could be pretty deep. So I had, you know, waterproof hiking boots. I was rucking through the snow and, uh, yeah, that was kind of my thing. That really was it. I started lifting weights. Um, I, I, I do enjoy, I did enjoy lifting weights. So I started going back to the gym and working out. Um, the YMCA had me speak at their big annual thing about my journey and because I was a member there. And, um, so it was, it, it was kind of cool. I, I just had an opportunity to kind of, I think after the transplant, I turned into wanting to be a resource. And so people would send people to me, um, talk about dialysis, talk about, re even the clinic did it. They would have people come up and I'd be sitting hooked up to a machine with blood going in and out of my arm. And they'd have people come up and ask me about life. And sometimes the questions were funny when it was a couple, because the one <laughs> wife asked, uh, so how are relations between you and your wife? Right. Doing this? I'm like, oh boy. Yeah, I'm not sure, <laughs> I'm not sure this is where the conversation is going to go, but it was kind of funny. But yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's a legitimate question though. I mean, yeah. those are things that you got to think about when, oh, yeah. you know, you have these things hooked up to you and, and your body's not functioning at 100%. And yeah. so, I mean, that's funny. And that's great <laughs> that you've taken that mantle of being that resource because that's exactly... I think our job and, and, and our blessing is when we go through these obstacles and challenges and we become stronger on the back end, it's using that story to enrich others. Right. And, you know, that's kind of one of the missions of why I liked, wanted to do this podcast was to kind of highlight this so that others can learn of people that may have done something similar or be encouraged or certainly introduce a resource to somebody that may be struggling with something uh, right. similar. Um, so you, you learned of F3, you're obviously are working out with them and, and, and the gloom. Um, do you find that there's any limitations to what you can and cannot do now based on, uh, your current health? Well, so I, I'm in the respect audience. Um, so I'm 53, but, uh, what's funny is, uh, I don't like limitations. I, part of the, the message I'm trying to put out there to other people with health issues, since I've had the cancers and a stroke and other things, um, I do now have steroid induced diabetes because of the meds. Um, but I'm fighting with that too. I decided to cut out simple sugars March 1st and I've already got my A1C down to like 6.1. So I'm, I'm gonna, I, I, I've decided I am not a diabetic and will not be one. So I'm going to find a way to get rid of it. But What's, what's neat is um, I really push myself. Now there's thing, I'm not a fan of burpees. I'm going to be honest, uh, you know, and my, Who is really? the, the, the goofballs I work out with invented MABA. Um, so yeah. MABA, I guess MABA came out of St. Charles and uh, I started, uh, my first workout was December 30th. My second workout was January 1st, which is the kickoff for Make America Burpee again. And my first workout was in the rain doing burpees with 30 guys. And I'm like, this is insane. Like, and you know, then they invented new versions to make burpees even worse. Like we're rolling in the water, doing V ups and all kinds of craziness. But I had, didn't realize it quite yet, but I had found my people. Um, yeah. This, it, it really, um, everything about it really kind of fits into my mindset. Um, I, I, I work out five to six times a week with the group Good for you. I, I go a lot. Um, I put black ops together. I have a special group that rucks on Sundays because we're training for a 22 miler. 
Um, so yeah, I, uh, I enjoy not only doing things that most 53 year olds can't do, but the added thing is somebody with all my medical background. And, and yeah, and I was, I was just going to say that there's really no excuse out there for anyone listening, uh, to not get out there and accelerate in the gloom. I mean, you hear this mm-hmm. gentleman who's in his respect years, a kidney transplant mm-hmm. recipient, survivor of cancer, a stroke, now this, you know, medically induced diabetes. And so just overall health, I mean, there's a million excuses of why you shouldn't or couldn't do anything. And instead, you're, you're jumping in, which yeah. kind of leads me to kind of what I want to roll into just now, because you have just returned from a an event that I never even heard of, of course, uh, until I uh, had the chance to kind of look into your story. But um, you just returned from something called the Transplant Games of America. So walk us through exactly what the Transplant Games are, where you were, and and what is it for, and who's it for? Yeah. So uh, again, I've been, I started January 1st, really, is what I use with F3, and I had this training plan. Because to me, the games were quite a bit about meddling, proving to myself what physical level I've gotten myself to and, and just really pushing through F3 and all the training. Cause I wanted to go out there and bring back all the gold, you know? Um, so, but it, it turned into so much more. Um, the emotion out there is insane. So it's uh, <clears throat> every two years we have the games. There's actually a world games every year in between. Um, and they're in Australia next year. Um, we, what's really cool is we can raise money um, for ourselves and other athletes to go to this. It took about $3,000 to go. Um, so we raise money, but the games itself is all these different events. Um, there's track and field, there's swimming, there's something as simple as darts and poker. Cause a lot of people, I've been pretty blessed to be able to bring myself to this level where some aren't, um, so there's, there's even a singing competition, there's ballroom dancing, there's all these different things. And there was 58 teams from all around the country. So you're, you know, wow. it, it's and where was it? Where was it held this we year? We were in beautiful San Diego, California. Oh, um, San so, Diego. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I hear Ron Burgundy in the back yes. of my mind every time I say San Diego. So, but it's, uh, we were at the convention center and then at, uh, one of the colleges there for the track and field. And, uh, I, uh, I was told I signed up for more events than anyone. Uh, I oh, wow. Did, Good for I you. I think I did 16 different things while I was there, including 10 different track and field events. And I am, I am still 270 pounds. I'm six foot one, and I did every running event. Maybe my sons couldn't believe I did the 800. So uh, <laughs> they're like, that is the worst <laughs> race ever. <laughs> but I, I even did race walking just because I thought it looked so funny. Uh, I said, I'm going to try it. You just can't lift both my feet. One, one foot always has to be on the ground. So we did a one mile race walk too, but uh, I uh, spent how many people, how many people participated you estimate? Well, the numbers are a little lighter. They said Um, we were, we're about half because this is the first year back. Obviously with COVID it's a little scary to bring a bunch of immunocompromised people together. Sure. Sure. Um, In California, uh, which is also pretty shut down as far as a state. Yeah. So that was different, but um, we still had, we had 40 in our group, half of them, half of them are family and also donor families. So donor families, people that have lost a loved one. A lot of times it's one of their children who has donated um, come to these games because there's stuff for them to do too. And uh, that's where the emotions really kick in. We, um, one event volleyball 
Again, this is six people that have never played volleyball together. Um, varying ranges. We had a young girl on the team. We had a 70-year-old woman on the team. We had people all over in ages. And uh, we played volleyball for six hours. We, it was amazing because we kept winning. Like, we beat Southern California, the gold medal team from two years ago. I mean, SoCal. They literally play volleyball every day. And we beat them. And it was – you looked at the, the joy – um, in the audience. It was amazing. It was just, just the cheering and we were, we were all wearing green shirts to let's go green and the green machine and all that stuff kept going. And uh, what, what it did for me, um, uh, the preparedness that I got from F3, this is kind of the big thing is that I helped other people get a bigger experience during the games because yeah, I'm not trying to say I'm envy. Just because I, I could keep going because I had built up an endurance level to where I could play, run 10 track meets the day before and still play pickleball in the morning and then go play volleyball at night, I was able to prolong our experience. So just seeing the joy in my other teammates that probably have never come this far, potentially in competition. That's what we kept hearing. We've never gone this far before. Um, you know, and I, we had to do some creative stuff because I was probably the tallest one on the team and people kept trying to avoid me on the, especially when I was at the net and stuff like that. But it was so cool that I could use the gifts and what I've developed through my working out and stuff to help the other people have a bigger experience. That was super emotional for me. So Yeah, I can tell. And, and that is such a blessing. Um, and, you know, to, to the packs that you got surrounded by, you know, there in your region, just to kind of help you train and prepare your body. And they did more than that. I mean, I saw that uh, there was a flyer out there back in June where they even, I think, helped with some fundraising. Is that not correct? Yeah, we, we, uh, we were celebrating our one-year anniversary of the region. It was the same day that we were going to hold a fundraiser. So the, the leadership team said, let's make this a second F, third F event. So they came. Um, I've become a little bit of a coupon artist. Um, painted up a bunch of coupons. We, we raffled those off. I mean, I made some Superman ones, bought some bigger ones for the guys that like own those 50 pound coupons. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's cool now to see them show up at workouts. Now I see my, my yeah. artwork in the beatdowns, and that's kind of cool. So, uh, but yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. We came together, had a, a good social event at the same time, raised some money, helped some of the other transplant people go. Some other ones showed up. I actually have a picture it was kind of the joke picture because one of our friends, uh, Jesse, she's really tiny. Uh, she, she, a lot of times she can walk, but she, uh, she can't stay on her feet really long. So she drives around one of the little scooters, but she came to the event and we took a picture together and they, I, I'm going to do a post that says, you know, saving lives comes in all sizes. Uh, cause she's like about, you know, waist high to me and it's kind of funny, but, um, she did bowling when she was out there. So she was able to compete in that. And so it's just, it's neat that, you know, <sighs> A friend of mine said that got a transplant. I know my kidney sister. I know the woman that got the other kidney from our donor. And I told her, you got to come to these games because she's a lot younger than me. She's only 30. And she's like, I'm not an athlete. I said, that term is used very loosely in our atmosphere. So, I mean, this is about the experience, not winning or losing, um, you know, so I actually joined the relay team because uh, again, I wanted everybody to have help others have the experience. So they needed a fourth. I am not a 100 meter looking guy. Um, my packs back home will say, yeah, Will's usually not, you know, we're going to pick Will up a couple of times. I'm, I'm the six they're picking up a lot of times in these running things. But um, 
I did it and we won, we won bronze somehow. I mean, I ran my heart out. I passed a guy. I couldn't believe I passed a guy, um, but we ran and we are almost second. We barely lost the silver. So um, yeah, it was, um, it, it's just kind of those neat experiences to, to do that. So I, I did win a gold medal while I was there. Congratulations. <clears throat> in, the, in the weirdest thing. Um, I don't drink, so I don't go to bars very often. So it was darts. And to me, darts, the only place you find darts is at bars. I hadn't played darts at least in a year and a half, maybe with my kids or something at one of their 21st birthdays. And uh, it was 301. And I grabbed your, you know, those cheap ones off the table, those little ones. And these guys had fold out cases with their fancy <laughs> darts. And I think I made a couple of them mad. Um, and my shoulder was fried from volleyball the night before. The bottom of my feet hurt. I could barely walk. And I beat six people in a row to win gold in three. Wow. And I'm like, good for you. And, and it was crazy. Cause I get down to where those last few numbers and I would just look at something and I would hit it. Like I needed the guy for the silver gold match. He only needed 28 points and he missed double 14 by one spot. And he got 14 and I had 41 left. I hit the one. Actually I was going for the twenties first, but I hit the one, which is right next to 20. <clears throat> And I needed double 20 to win. And I just went like that and it went in. It was just, I had a bunch of shots like that. It was so weird. And I'm like, I'm just, <clears throat> I was staying real quiet, not getting excited, just soaking in the moment. And I'm like, like, congratulations, you won gold. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> so, well, good for I, you. Yeah, it was kind of, it was neat. It's, uh, <sighs> but yeah, it's, uh, it, the overall experience is just amazing. So. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it. And I guess uh, in two years from now, they're going to be doing this again. Do they have mm -hmm. a location already chosen? They have not announced it yet. It just moves around the U.S. But when it got okay. canceled, it was supposed to be in New Jersey, um, but that one never happened. So I got it. So, well, well, you'll have to keep us informed um, because certainly in two years, we're expecting F3 to even be that much pervasive in our culture and across the nation. And so wherever yeah. that host city is, we're going to have to bring a big contingency of F3 to it to be supportive yeah. and, and cheer and and who knows how many f3 participants who like you have gone through a transplant i've had others on the show and so you know this is absolutely something that'd be neat to kind of get a bunch I'm, of i'm trying uh, to eat representation yeah yeah good for you <laughs> I'm, I'm trying well, to like you said some of them you know just their their physical journey isn't as, yeah. as quick as yours. And, and, you know, everyone has their own limitations, but yeah, absolutely. I think there's something for everybody out there, even mm -hmm. if it's rocking, uh, you know, uh, at a slow pace to get out and, and move around because walking alone can do so much help and, and benefit. Yeah. So, well, good for you. Yeah. Well, nine lives. I mean, I could talk to you forever because <laughs> you know, you're super inspiring, you know, the guys in your region, um, just the ones that I've, quickly had an opportunity to chat with uh, all all say you're an inspiration and, and you're doing great things in your region and so thank you for that that's a, that's amazing and thank you for coming excuse me on the show today and kind of explaining a little bit about your journey i do have two final questions for you sure. and uh the first one is this and you, you kind of shared some of your own journey and the techniques and the strategies that you used personally to get healthier but if you had three tips and it could be as simple as any man out there getting launched on their own hunt for wellness, or you can make it more specific, maybe a recent transplant recipient, maybe three tips for them that, to kind of move their health in the right direction. What would those three tips be? Um, I would say number one is have a target. 
have a target. It could be as simple as a 5K. Have a target put out in the future um, because then you've got something to work for. You've got that target. And I mean, it drove me. I mean, these games drove me. And, and you know, everybody goes, well, what's your next thing? Well, 22 miles in September. You know, what's your next thing? Half marathon in October. So I, I, you got, if you have these targets, it gives you something to drive for. Um, the other thing is just, is have something. What's um, the thing, the magic of F3 is it's, it's, it's another workout, right? But it's the fellowship that brings you back. I get up every day. I have a system. I get up right before 4 a.m. I have my coffee. I have a banana. I watch the morning weather. Okay, what am I wearing? And then I'm with the, I'm with the boys at 5 a.m. rucking, and then 5.30, we're working out. So um, it, I have FOMO the days I'm not there. Even when I was in California, I'm like, I started looking up, where's the closest one? You know, um, it's, it's funny. Even, I'm, I've worked out, I've done downrange three different times now, you know, just on little vacations with the family and stuff. So um, I think you got to have your squad. I, I could work out on my own, but not to the level I'm working out. You know, I've, I've pushed myself to something, you know, that I didn't think I was going to be at. And so that's, what's great. Um, so that's, so having, having a good system of working out, it's hard to do alone. It's almost impossible to do to a certain level alone. Target alone. Um, and then um, I think, you know, you've got to get your family around your goals. Um, you know, if you're trying to eat better and stuff like that, and they bring home, they call you up and say, hey, do you, what do you want? I'm going here. What do you want? I'm going here. I'm going to Starbucks. What do you want? You know, all those things. You've got to get them to know that don't call me, you know, because I will want something, um, but I don't need that something, you know, and that, that's when it comes to your health, you know, for me, I, I did 75 hard to kick off the year um, and it was great. It went really well. I decided not to add alcohol back. I just, you know what, I obviously don't need it. Um, it's tough for me because I go to a lot of social events where there's a lot of free alcohol. And as a poor kid growing up, I like free stuff. So, um, but I just cut it out. And then I said, you know, I, I didn't lose the weight I want. No more simple sugar. So if my sugar comes in fruit or yogurt or whatever, that's fine. But I will not, I don't eat, I haven't had candy, ice cream, nothing. And my family will tell you, I was a, one of them little things, ice cream on a pretty regular basis. Um, sure. So yeah. So it's, it's you got to have your reasons. If you don't have a clear defined reason you're going to do something, you won't stick to it. You know, I think, but. Yeah. Great tips. And, and, you know, anybody can take that and run, whether you're not doing anything healthy and you want to get started or somebody that's already implementing a bunch of things, but want to take it to the next level. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, that, that across the board is fantastic information. So I do have one final question, but before I ask it, I just do want to take a few more moments here and just acknowledge you and say, thank you again for being part of the show. And just uh, thank you for your, your tenacity in the gloom and your willingness to get out and, and really show other people what's possible and take away those excuses that we all want to have. And, and we tell ourselves why we can't do things. You're just a living example of, of, of what it does um, look like when you're willing to do whatever it takes to, to achieve health. And so congrats on that. Um, thank you. Thank you for being an advocate for those others who are, um, maybe going through a similar experience uh, with, with transplant or whatever and, and, and being that voice uh, and guide for them. And um, I, I really appreciate all that you're doing in, in your region and, and, mm -hmm. and what I know that you're going to be able to do impact as far as the nation is concerned around this subject. So, so once again, thank you for that and, and being part of the show. 
Hey, I feel like I owe too. I, I've been trying to pay back as much as I can. I try to uh, build creative beatdowns and have fun and still bring the pain, but bring the, the fun. And I used to, when I coach football, I always tried to trick the boys into working out. So same thing there with this. I'm just tricking you into working out having themes, but, and then um, I had my 21st EH uh, two weeks ago. So it's, and that's just this year. I just I love bringing guys out to the gloom. So congrats on that, man. And that, that's <laughs> inspiring in and of itself. Cause I mean, that's truly giving it away. I mean, that's truly you recognizing men in your community that also need what you found to be so valuable. And that's a, that's a challenge for all of us listening. If, if you haven't EH somebody recently, you know, get to it. Somebody else around you is needing what you have. And, um, uh, you know, just like, um, when you got introduced to it, how, you know, life changing it was, that's, that's the catalyst that you can have for somebody else. So, um, nine lies, um, uh, before I ask the question, I do want to give you a chance. Is there a way if a guy wanted to reach out to you personally, uh, about maybe your story about even the transplant games or uh, anything that you're doing. Uh, what would be some best ways uh, someone could do that? Oh yeah. And I love talking about the kidney stuff. Anybody who's going through health issues, uh, love giving because the doctors don't always tell you everything. In fact, it's quite often they don't tell you everything. So I love sharing that stuff. And also the transplant. I'd love to find more people that are transplant recipients love to share this experience. So um, I'm on Facebook, Will Klein, big bald guy. You'll probably see F3 posts on there. Um, usually a lot of times my main picture is a boy band, um, photo of the group. So, um, I use those to guilt my other friends into joining us, but they, uh, um, also my email is will, uh, my, it's my company's will at move realty stl.com M O V E D as in Victor realty stl.com. Um, you know, so, I mean, even if you, and you guys can find me. We're on Slack up here, F, uh, F3. I know a lot of us use Slack, so, but for communication. You're on the, I, I, I am on the nation, too. I was going to say, I saw you on the nation. So you at, you're at Nine Lives on the nation Slack channel Correct. as well, so people mm -hmm. can reach out that way. Well, Absolutely. very good. Well, thank you for that. Um, and so my last question for you, Nine Lives, is this. What is your definition of wellness? Ooh. Um, I would say definition of wellness is... Ooh, um, so I heard someone say once there's your actual age and your health age, like where, where you are. And, and for me, I, I, even with the bonus challenges I've had, um, which again, that's the way I look at them. It's just something else I'm going to try to overcome. Um, I know eventually, I, you know, eventually we, we all don't, you know, yeah, we don't get out of this alive as they say, but, um, it's living the best life you can, you know, it sounds so silly, but the other day I had to go buy sod or some dirt to fill in some holes in the yard. Cause the dogs like to dig. And I grabbed these 40 pound bags out of the car with one hand. It was just tossing them like they didn't weigh in. And I remember doing it a year or two ago and taking everything to pick up these 40 pound bags and carry them. Um, it's just the ability to move around with life with ease. You know, we just went through all these airports coming back and I've got no problem carrying all the luggage, you know, it's, those are, seem like silly things, but it's just the ability to live life well, um, because you've gotten yourself to a health thing where you're not tired because you go for a walk or you have to do things. Um, I don't know. I just think it's living for me. It's living like a man younger than I actually am. Thanks for listening to the hunt for wellness podcast. 
please rate and review our show and be sure to share it with your F3 brothers. As always, we are looking for inspiring stories to share and health experts to interview. So if that's you, please reach out to me at bones at huntforwellness.com, on the nation's Slack at bones, or Twitter at HFW Podcast. And until next time, this has been Bones guiding the packs of F3 Nation on their hunt for wellness. <laughs>